Want to do something different this coming New Year's Eve? Want to make some new friends, share some laughs and give something back to the community? Then please come along and join in with the Hacker Public Radio New Year's Eve show, a 24-hour Ogcast marathon. We're running for the full 24 hours starting from Monday, December the 31st at 1200 UTC. I'll be there and I really want to spend my New Year's Eve getting to know you too. Full participation details are available at www.hackerpublicradio.org. This is Ahuka, and welcome to another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Uh, I have a topic I want to talk about today that, uh, by the very nature of it, means there's going to be a metric ton of links in the show notes. So I'm just telling you that now so that you don't worry about it. Uh, the uh, uh, There'll be a lot of information here, but I'm going to try and make sure that it's easy for you to get it. And what sparked this for me was uh, an incident that, as I'm recording this, is fairly recent. Uh, and that is that a Norwegian uh, Kindle owner by the name of Lynn found one day that her Kindle had been wiped clean of all the books she had purchased from Amazon. And she called Amazon and said, hey, what's going on? And... Well, I didn't, don't think she called. I think she wrote and got a response that, well, your account's been linked to uh, a, a, a known bad account. And she said, well, what do you mean? And, well, we can't tell you that. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty nasty. It was basically Amazon saying, we think you're a bad person and we're not going to talk to you about it. We're just going to cancel your account and wipe out all your books and, uh, you know, you're SOL here. Now, th- this was this was not good. Uh, I-, I can tell you that Amazon, once they realized they had a public relations disaster on their hands, uh, did uh, turn around and uh, and fix the problem and, and give her back her books. Um, but I-, I think it exposes something. And and really, what I want to get to here is not whether Amazon. Uh, made a mistake, or this is proof of their absolute evilness. Um, you know, it could have been either or both, and I don't think that that's particularly relevant. Uh, the key to me is that Amazon could do this, and the so-called owner could do nothing. According to Amazon's uh, Kindle Store Terms of Use, Kindle content is licensed, not sold. Aha, uh-huh. that one again. Uh, so, you know, if you do anything that they regard as being against their terms of use, like removing the DRM and, 
you know, I think for the people who are listening to Hacker Public Radio, removing DRM is not a big speed bump, right? We all know how to do that. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't know, Google is your friend, okay? It's not that hard to find out. Um, so, you know, you could try and do that. You could try and transfer your purchase to another device or any of those things that you might think you could do with product that you own. Um, Amazon says in their terms of, of uh, use that they can legally revoke your access to the Kindle store and all of your Kindle content without any refund at all. Now, Amazon did not invent this, okay? This particular form of evil is traceable to the software industry. They introduced the concept. Take a look at those EULAs that no one pays any attention to. And, you know, for those of us in the open source community, that's less of an issue. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm in the open source community. But if you take a look at EULAs, that's is basically the first sentence of every EULA of proprietary software says, this software is licensed, not sold. Okay. Note the identical language. Now, this is a, a questionable practice uh, when done by the software industry. Court cases have gone both ways. And in the, terms of, uh, in the case of Amazon, you know, a well-done court case could, in fact, overturn Amazon's use of this tactic, uh, because as a number of people have noted, when you are on the Amazon store, um, it, the button you click does not say, get a license to this. The button you click says, buy this. And I think we all have a pretty clear idea what that means. Um, so, that's the situation. Now, what do we do about it, Okay. And that's really what I want to talk about in this particular recording is what's the best way to respond to that? I think the best thing we can do is we can create a scenario where companies that impose DRM and take your ownership away from you, even though you've given them your hard-earned money, get punished. And I think the only way to do that is to not purchase from them. See, if you buy an ebook from Amazon and then break the DRM, you haven't sent any kind of message to them. From the Amazon standpoint, it was, well, we put DRM in the book and this guy bought it anyway. So obviously, DRM is not an obstacle to selling stuff. But if instead you patronize a seller that does not impose DRM, then you send a signal that you will pay for products that respect your freedom. And that's really where I want to go today. It is increasingly possible, where ebooks, audiobooks, and music are concerned, to purchase these things from companies that do not restrict your freedom, that do not put DRM on their product or other onerous EULA terms, that simply treat you with respect. Now, I, I do this. I patronize these places. I have to tell you, it's not a strategy that is completely without drawbacks. And so we want to go into this with our eyes open. Um, number one, 
to a large degree, it is the publishers and the rights holders that insist on the DRM. Now, some of them have discovered that removing DRM does them no harm, may even do them some good. Uh, you may have heard of all of the different cases of artists who put their work out there um, very often for free uh, and found that their sales started going up as a result of it. Uh, you know, there was a famous case of, uh, of an author who was caught by his publisher um, putting, putting his books out on torrent sites. Uh, but the thing is that he discovered the more he put it out on torrent sites, the more money he made from sales. So he was doing it as a publicity thing, but uh, his, his publisher was not amused. Um, now, if a company does put stuff out without DRM and they do start to see uh, increased sales, then, uh, you know, it might start moving the rest of the industry to not being quite so evil. Right. Some, you know, what rights are we talking about? Well, if I buy a CD, I can lend it to my friend, can't I? If I buy a book, I can sell it to a used bookstore when I'm done. When I die, I can pass along my books and CDs to my heirs. Now, there's an excellent chance they'll end up just selling them all because they may have no interest in the, the books and the CDs that I've accumulated. Uh, but the point is, I have ownership rights to any physical product that allow me to own the product and act accordingly. It's when those products become digital that you encounter that phrase, this product is licensed, not sold. And every time you see that, what that means is all of your rights have just been removed. Now, because some rights holders have become enlightened, but others have not, the main trade-off you would encounter is that some products you might want to purchase are not available in ways that respect your freedom. For some people, that might be a deal breaker. It, it is not for me. If I want to buy music, there is so much good stuff available to me, I, I could never come up with enough money to buy all of the music that I would want to buy. Right? There's, there's a ton of it out there. I think music, in fact, has gone furthest at this point. Uh, I think that the music industry, after the whole debacle with shutting down Napster and and suing everyone in sight and watching their market share disappear, is finally, I don't know if they've just given up uh, or if they've started to realize that's a really stupid way to do things. It, in fact, a lot of music is available without DRM now. But not necessarily all of it, okay? Uh, you know, if you wanted to buy the latest hit track that's on the top of the charts, if that is owned by a record company that's one of the troglodytes, you might not be able to do it. Now, I mean, I'm a curmudgeon, and I happen to think that most of the music that is popular today is crap anyway, so I don't really mind. As long as I can find lots of music I like to listen to, I am happy. Same thing with books, both ebooks and audiobooks for that matter. I can only read or listen to so many books in the time I have. Uh, where books are concerned, time is more of a limit than money. I can find more books than I have time for. 
books that I really want to read or listen to without giving up my rights. But again, if I wanted to get the latest number one book on the New York Times bestseller list, I might not be able to get it in a format that respects my freedom. Now, for me, I don't care. I figure it is their loss when I don't buy their book. But this is the essential trade-off you will encounter if you go for freedom. You'll have to occasionally accept that some products are just not available on those terms. Now, my hope is that if enough people do value freedom enough to deliberately make those purchases, this will send a two-pronged market signal. Publishers that do not respect your freedom will see sales go down, and publishers that do respect your freedom will see sales go up. As an example, take a look at the recent Humble eBook bundle. That was all DRM-free files that respect your freedom. And it sold a ton. I read that if, if digital copies were counted the same way physical copies are, every author in that bundle would have qualified as a New York Times bestseller just on the sales of the Humble ebook bundle. Um, you have to think that that starts to get the attention of publishers, just as we saw earlier with the Humble Indie Games that, you know, people are willing, and and this is the thing I want to emphasize, it is by purchasing these products that we send these market signals. So, the fact that people are willing to pay money for products that respect their freedoms uh, does send a signal in the marketplace. And at some point, the, the companies that want to have us as customers are going to realize that and take advantage of it. Now, how long is that going to take? Well, you know, for some, for some publishers, they have a rectal cranial insertion problem. Uh, but let's, let's see what our options are. So what I want to do now is I just want to run through some of the ways you can get books, both ebooks and audiobooks and music, in ways that respect your freedom. It turns out there's quite a few of them. All right. So first, music. And and the first question you have to ask: uh, What kind of music are you listen, are you looking for? If you're looking for uh, music that is published by the major labels, you will be paying for it, no doubt about it. And, and as I said, I think that's a feature, not a bug, because it's by paying for it that we send these signals. Uh, but uh, certainly, none of the major labels are giving their stuff away. But what has happened is that we've got a lot of very mainstream ways of buying these tracks without DRM. Uh, the first one I want to mention is uh, is eMusic, because they were doing this before it was fashionable, and I like their deal. Okay, you, you get a monthly subscription. Uh, it's like. $12 a month is the most basic plan, and then you buy tracks from them, and the tracks are 49 to $0.79. Cents. Um, you know, that's they, they did it a little differently before, but uh, where you could just buy tracks all essentially all at the same price. Uh, but, you know, record labels have had this thing about how they have to be able to charge different prices for different, you know, so eMusic has done that. But they, they've got a lot of stuff from the record labels. There's a lot of back catalog available. Um, and, you know, you can, you can acquire a whole lot of music there. Uh, 
Uh, Amazon, okay. Uh, when you get to ebooks and audiobooks, you know, Amazon sucks. But with music, they are selling tracks from the major labels without DRM. They tend to be a little more expensive than e-music. Uh, Amazon, you're probably going to be paying 99 cents more often. I, I haven't seen anything for 99 cents on e-music. Uh, in fact, a lot of my tracks are 49 cents. Uh, but if you're looking for that one track that you just have to have, and you can't find it on e-music, chances are you will find it on Amazon. And uh, you know, in addition to that, they offer online storage and streaming of your tracks. You can store all of your music uh, on their servers and then stream it. Uh, iTunes. I don't often say anything good about Apple, but um, this is one of the ones where they, you know, they initially sold tracks with DRM, but you know, five years ago they started getting away from that. Um, they do not currently offer online storage and streaming, but the reports I've read, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, uh, is that, that that might be coming in 2013. Um, you know, I I wouldn't want to bet on that. There are other reasons why I avoid iTunes, but uh, I just mentioned that in case that's important. Uh, Google Play, all right. Uh, if if you have an Android phone like I do, chances are you use Google Play a lot. Um, DRM free tracks from the record labels, online storage, streaming, all of that stuff, um, and uh, Ubuntu One, also. DRM-free tracks, online storage, and streaming. So, you've got a. You know, if you're interested in the major label music, those are some options you have. Now, you might be interested in more of the uh, Creative Commons indie uh, music scene, and uh, there's a number of these. Uh, and from now on, the sites that I mentioned, I'm going to put. URLs in the show notes. Uh, I'm not putting in URLs for iTunes and Amazon and stuff because, you know, chances are if you need help finding them, you've got other problems. But uh, the first one I'm going to mention is SoundCloud. Um, and this is my primarily a uh, music and audio sharing site, but it, a place that has Creative Commons stuff. There's the Free Music Archive. That has lots of Creative Commons licensed music. Gemendo, that was it's one of the premier Creative Commons music sites. A lot of good tracks there. Uh, a place called Bandcamp. Uh, I just learned about this one from my friend Craig Maloney, who does the Open Metalcast, which is a podcast, and he gets all of the tracks for that uh, podcast from Bandcamp. So uh, it, it looks really interesting. They've got a lot of Creative Commons music from bands that want to build a relationship with their fans. Uh, I noticed, for instance, Amanda Palmer is, uh, is on the Bandcamp site. Uh, so, you know, a lot of musicians have, have figured out that, you know, if you build a relationship with your fans, they'll start buying music, merchandise, what have you. Um, and it works a lot better than trying to sue them all the time. So that's that's what we've got on the music scene. Next, I want to look at ebooks. All right, now ebooks isn't quite as good as as with music because you are at the mercy of individual publishers. Uh, some of them are better than others. 
first thing I'm going to mention is Project Gutenberg. Now, this is the granddaddy of uh, DRM-free book sites. It goes back many, many years. Uh, and they uh, primarily offer books that are in the public domain. So they're not subject to copyright anymore. Older books, yeah, because newer stuff is not in the public domain. A lot of classics there. So, you know, if you wanted to read Frankenstein or Dracula, the Sherlock Holmes stories, Dickens, you know, what have you, uh, all of that stuff is in the public domain, and you can get that there. Uh, Bain Books, B-A-E-N. Now, this is a publisher that specializes in the kind of the harder side of science fiction, but they really understand the new media landscape. They not only offer most of their books DRM-free and in multiple formats, but they also have the Bain Free Library, where they offer selected books free of charge. The hope is that with the first taste free, you will want to buy more, and it works. Uh, I went there to see what they had, discovered that they had the entire collected works of one of my favorite authors, uh, James H. Schmitz, for those of you who wonder. Uh, And so I bought all of them from them. (laughs) Uh, you know, they attracted me there with the free books and then, you know, got me to spend money on stuff that, uh, that they had. Uh, another, uh, science fiction publisher, Tor, um, they just announced that they were going to, uh, going DRM free a few months ago. And a part of the statement was from the publisher was we've seen other publishers doing this and they're making money. Therefore, we're going to give it a try. That's a market signal, folks. That's what we're talking about. Uh, Now, you know, a lot of these are science fiction sites. Um, I I think maybe in science fiction, the publishers might be a little more forward-looking. So uh, another one I'm going to mention there is Angry Robot. Uh, which uh, is one of the, along with Bain, one of the pioneers of selling DRM-free books in the science fiction and fantasy areas. But it's not just that. Um, Avon Romance. Now, I, I have to confess, I am not a romance novel reader, but uh, Avon Romance, uh, I think, is one of the larger publishers in that area. And they just announced that they are going to start experimenting with uh, DRM-free ebook sales. Then in terms of the the technical stuff, uh, O'Reilly Media. All right, O'Reilly Media uh, publishes many of the top technical books. And uh, they've got a a great, they sell you books without DRM. Uh, Not only that, but uh, if you you buy an e-book from them uh, and a new edition comes out, uh, generally you can upgrade to the new edition for a pretty nominal fee. Um, I bought a book by Kevin Purdy on the Android uh, telephone operating system, and when the second edition came out, I think it cost me a buck, uh, as I recall, to upgrade to the to the new version. Not only that, but with older books that are that they no longer see a need to keep in print, instead of just locking them up. They, they do just the opposite. They remove the copyright and, and put them out as public domain. Uh, so, you know, O'Reilly is good people. Um, another technical site, A-Press. A lot of technical books. Uh, and 
they have a program where if you've bought a print version of the book, you can get the ebook uh, version for a reduced uh, price, which is pretty good. Uh, Pact Publishing, P-A-C-K-T, another technical book publisher that's selling DRM-free books. Then um, there's a, a site called ManyBooks.net. Uh, a lot of overlap overlap with uh, Project Gutenberg, but uh, they also have some newer works that have been made available. Uh, I saw Charlie Strauss's book Accelerando there, um, and and Charles is is one of the people that uh, has pretty reasonable ideas on how to build a relationship with his fan. Uh, there's a place called Fiction Wise. Uh, Although they're heavy on the science fiction and fantasy, they've got a lot of offerings in other genres, reasonably priced and DRM-free. Uh, drive Through Fiction. Uh, it's an interesting site. They've also got comics and RPG games, and all of that is DRM-free. And then uh, I mentioned individual authors, and, and Charles Strauss was one. Corey Doctorow is another. Uh, Corey has always offered his books... Uh, in fact, what he does, he, he puts them on the site, and he won't even take your money for the ebooks. Uh, it's just not worth his time. Uh, so he just puts it there, and he said, uh, look, if, if you want to pay me, uh, buy a copy of my book and give it to your library. <laughs> all right? Hasn't hurt his sales at all. Now, interestingly, uh, he just put out a book. I, I recently, within the last few months, with co-authored with Charles Strauss called Rapture of the Nerds. Now, I knew I could go to his website and get it free. <laughs> I immediately went to the Google Play Store and bought it. Because, you know, when, when people are do right by you, you want to do right by them. So, that's a, in e-books, that's a pretty good, you know, you got a lot of options there for e-books. Um, audiobooks. I gotta say, this is still a bit of a disappointment. Um, the leader in this field is Audible, and they insist on DRM, uh, which is why I refuse to get an account with them. I love audiobooks, but, uh, I will not do business with Audible as long as they're putting DRM on everything. And, and the strange thing is they're now owned by Amazon, and when Amazon bought them, at the time, Amazon was selling MP3s of music without DRM, and we thought, oh, great, Amazon will make this reasonable. Uh, it, it hasn't happened, and it's been so long at this point that you know, I don't know that it will. But there are some alternatives, nonetheless. First one, eMusic. All right, now I, I talked about them uh, in terms of music tracks, which is you know how they started, uh, but they also do audiobooks, and that's a subscription plan. It's $10 a month, and it gets you generally one book. Now, occasionally, you'll, you'll find uh, books that require two audiobook credits because they're bigger or the publisher's greedier or whatever, and you'd have to buy uh, an additional thing to get that. But, you know, they've got a lot of stuff. Uh, I would say their list has been growing. It's not as extensive as Audible's. But, uh, you know, I've listened to Walter Isaacson's biography of Albert Einstein, uh, Alex Ross's uh, 
book on 20th century music, The Rest is Noise, uh, J.M. Roberts' uh, History of Europe. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff that they have. Uh, so check those check them out. Um, there's a site called Patio Books, um, and this offers audiobooks in serialized form, uh, much like podcasts that, you know, you get a file every week. Uh, pretty heavy on the science fiction and fantasy at this point, uh, but worth checking out. Scott Sigler and J.C. Hutchins are both available here, and those are a couple of authors that uh, I think a lot of people think very highly of who have been using the Internet and the new media to build relationships with their fans. Uh, Scott, for instance, uh, still offers free audio versions of all of his books on his website, even though he is selling his books through a publisher. Um, now, he's an example of someone who used this to get his name out. As, as Cory Doctorow famously said, uh, the biggest battle for any artist is not piracy, it's obscurity. <laughs> you know, So if you can get your name out, that's a big deal. So Scott started by putting stuff out for free on the web, got some attention, got people listening, and he just recorded them as uh, podcasts, basically, and started putting them out and built an audience. Um, And so now he's got a publisher, but, you know, he's still putting them out for free, and I I like that. Uh, And, and of course, Corey Doctorow. Uh, Now, Corey offers his e-books free of charge. The audio books little bit different and you got to give him that producing audiobooks is just more complicated there's a lot more involved than producing an ebook which is you know once you've written the book making an ebook is is fairly simple so uh he does ask money for this but he puts uh, all of his books um as audiobooks on his site on a name your own price basis Right? He, he trusts his fans to do the right thing. Uh, and he's got a number of readers. Uh, here's some of the people reading his books on the audiobooks. Neil Gaiman, Will Wheaton, Spider Robinson, Leo Laporte. <coughs> he even sells files and, and CDs in AUG format. Talk about respecting your freedom. Okay, But if you know anything about Cory Doctorow, you know he is all about freedom. So, in conclusion, I've gone on a little bit here. Uh, the alternatives are not always perfect. Particularly with audiobooks, your selection is less than if you're willing to give your rights away. But there are enough that you can always find stuff you will enjoy. Second, you know, I probably missed any number of things. <laughs> the marketplace is changing rapidly, and I don't know everything that's going on. I just wanted to demonstrate that there are a sufficient number of viable alternatives that you don't have to sacrifice your freedom. So if you do get caught by DRM, it's because you chose to. A third, while some of these offerings are free of charge, that's not the point. I selected items on the basis of respecting your rights and freedoms. And most of them do, in fact, require payment. <coughs> that's how we send the signal. That's how Patrick Nielsen Hayden of Tor Books says, you know, we're going to do this because we see other companies being financially successful. So we'll try going without DRM. We don't move the market by trying to find ways not to pay. We move the market 
by voting with our dollars for products that respect us. And I hope I've given you enough ideas that you can help us to move to a DRM-free world. And so with that, uh, I'm going to sign off. This is Ahuka, and don't forget to support free software. Thank you. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.